Welcome to All That and More, a podcast from the Regional Municipality of Wood Buffalo. I'm your host, Jillian McDonald. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest. Allison Flett is here to share with us some of the most unforgettable moments from the 2023 Arctic Winter Games that go beyond just the sporting competition. The Arctic Winter Games were not only a platform for athletic competition, but also a celebration of Indigenous culture. From the cultural galas, which showcased the rich Indigenous culture of the Circumpolar North, to the incredible Indigenous feast honoring Dene Games and Arctic Games athletes. These games were filled with cultural significance. Allison will also discuss how the seven sacred teachings and the commitment to truth and reconciliation played an essential part in the 2023 Arctic Winter Games. Join us for a fascinating discussion that sheds light on the cultural richness of the Arctic Winter Games and the importance of honoring Indigenous traditions. We humbly acknowledge that all that and more is recorded on Treaty 8 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Dene, and unceded territory of the Métis. So first off, tell me your name and what your role was with the Arctic Winter Games. Allison Fletnitzigasun. I am an advisor for Indigenous and Rural Relations. I am also the co-chair for the Culture Committee for the Wood Buffalo 2023 Arctic Winter Games. I was previously director of Culture and Ceremonies, and then I chose to go on as staff <sighs> in 2020. The games got postponed. I then came back over to the municipality. The games went on, so I thought the capacity that I could handle by holding two portfolios would be um, the co-chair for culture. And then we went back to a traditional style of leadership where there was two, we did it with two co-chairs, myself and Jess Croucher, to share that load of leading such a great portfolio. Have you recovered yet? Have you gotten a chance to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still on the excitement of the games and uh, wow, did that really just happen. It must be hard to digest it just for the sheer magnitude of what just concluded. Yeah, when you think of the planning that we started off with, with our goals of what we wanted to see as this big Arctic Winter Games that was going to happen in 2022. And then what we went through with the pandemic and having to postpone and then wonder, like, even when we had this date set and then having it, normally it would be in March, like the worry of the weather, but just thinking, is it really going to happen this time? Right. Tell me a little bit about what your experience was like as the cultural co-chair. When you're with elders, they always tell you your path will be chosen for you. Mm -hmm. You can't choose your path you'll be, you'll end up where you're supposed to be. And yeah. I think I ended up where I was supposed to be because I was in working, mm. not directing or right. saying, like I actually physically got to do the work and to participate. And that was good for my heart. Mm. So it was so good because when I went on as staff, we had to sit down and really develop what was our commitment to reconciliation what were we going to do? 
And then there was the other side of how do we respectfully engage with our communities? How do we respectfully make sure that they're represented? Because these games are just as much culture as they are sport. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah. And our communities, our First Nation communities and Métis communities are all so different. Mm. And um, from an Indigenous lens, we know that. But when there's people that are coming from outside our community, they just think Wood Buffalo region is one place. Mm. They don't understand all the... The tiny communities, yeah, right. Yeah, so just to have that story um, shared and that bit of history shared and that knowledge shared in a good way mm. was was heartwarming because that was what we wanted to put forward. So what were some of the ways that you were sharing that information to the, the delegates that came? We had Shine on the Sny. Shine on the Sny had teepees where you could learn language. They had storytelling from the different nations. We had the seven sacred teachings, which were the guiding principles, which those came at the very beginning stage of planning for the games because we thought, how do we incorporate the teachings into help guide the staff, the staff who have to now go out into this community to promote these games. Lead volunteers. Yep. How do we get them to go out with good intentions, with sharing our culture in a good way, and this teaching just naturally fit after talking to the elders, and we brought um, – it in and and the elder and I help do the teaching with the staff mm-hmm. and once the staff we did the board members and the board members and it just went further and further everybody shared it and it was like the Ulu News had the <laughs> athletes and they were which athletes were caught demonstrating one of the virtues oh, and they okay. had an article on them oh amazing so it was so nice and then we had the legacy wall that will be up for five years at mcdonald island Mm -hmm. it was good because you got people to slow down to think of when they were going out into the community how do they do it in a good way or even for them to just take a step back and say how how do i put more love how do i put more respect can i maybe take this approach and and that's what you want for this teaching is for everybody to just slow down and remember what your intentions were when you were going out. And when you follow those teachings, it makes you feel good. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day that you went out and did something in a good way. You know, we've learned obviously that the games are so much more than just about sport. So what were some of the cultural elements that were of a highlight for the games for you? Um, For me, the cultural gala was... Mm -hmm amazing because these games are a big cultural exchange because we have all these circumpolar contingents coming into our region and when they come they bring a cultural Mm -hmm. delegate with them to work together to have this performance known as the cultural gala Mm -hmm. a lot of people thought it was like a gala in Fort McMurray we go (laughs) we have a lot of those (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. but this was a performance of all the different cultures that came together yeah to and these countries sent who represented them and this happened a few times like throughout the actual games week right? yeah so on the Thursday and Friday they had the show which contained of um, each delegate had who they sent to represent them and they performed and then they did a big 
uh, production together at the end. Oh, okay. Awesome. So it was, it was beautiful to watch all the kids I got to, my son took part in it. So I got to sit and watch them all come together at the beginning of the week in rehearsal. Mm. And our cultural feast that we had on Tuesday night, the feast was for all the athletes for Dene Games and Arctic Sports, along with the International Committee, the board for Arctic Winter Games, mm -hmm. and then we had elders from our community. And we also had an elder go in and help the chef prepare supper. So, so they, they had an authentic yes, experience. Yeah, the elder picked the menu, helped mm -hmm. pick the menu. They flew in Arctic char. Mm -hmm. We had three different types of duck. Nice. We had rice pudding. They made bannock. I actually heard that the duck was unreal. Yes, <laughs> it was all so good. The bannock was thick and fluffy, mm -hmm. like how it would be if you went to your granny's house. Right. It was so good. And they went and smudged all the food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was just amazing. What did it mean to you to be able to emcee an event like that? I can't even really put it into words because we were like standing there and looking around and I thought, wow, this is it. We thought about this a long <laughs> so, time ago and yeah. we're here tonight. And when we went from planning to putting the plan into action, we hired a company called Pamu Creative, and that is actually Jess's company. Mm -hmm. And she did all the footwork. We gave her the plans, and she, like, rolled it out, and it was so good. And she is an Indigenous-owned company, so she knew those protocols. She mm -hmm. knew how to to go and ask for help with tobacco. It was just like listening to music, mm. if I could <laughs> put it into words. It was like standing up there and listening to music because you know you got to that night mm -hmm. by following the protocol and the right way. And then to watch the friendships being made. Mm. That was so fulfilling for me because you just looked around and people talking about what events they had been to and what they took away mm -hmm. from it. There was um, an interview that we did for the McMurray Today and they talked about a lady from the Satmi country and she they talked about their journey to reconciliation and how they weren't as far as we were really? they would they wouldn't they wouldn't have an elder get up to do a prayer wow yeah that was mind blowing for me that you know like i understand everybody's at a different part of their journey but when they came and realized that and then I had talked to a few people after I did from Satmi that when they did that interview and they said they were appreciative to see it because they know where they can go. Mm. So that was... They can see the path. Yeah. And you don't think of of really how things are working outside of... Because we're in our bubble, right? Yeah. We only see yeah. what, we, what we see. Yeah. And when <laughs> you're working for something every day, mm -hmm. you don't... You kind of forget about yeah. the journey yeah. that we've taken to actually yeah. get to where we are now. Yeah, and another country especially. Mm -hmm. What is it that you hope that participants learned about this region, about the people, and about our path towards reconciliation? We wanted to highlight, um, go through the calls to action. Mm -hmm. They're very government-oriented. Mm. But how do we bring them to a community level? How do we bring them to a regional level? And we chose to highlight call to action 87. Mm -hmm. 
and 91. And I think in the plans that we rolled out, we really did honor those calls to action and bring them to a regional level and have our community really take pride in honoring those calls to action. And we also went, we had a line in there that said beyond 94. Mm. There are 94 calls to action, but anywhere that we can respectfully create space for Indigenous culture, tradition, that was what we wanted to do. And I think that by um, even our opening ceremonies, to have an opening prayer the way we did and mm-hmm. to have the elders set the intentions for the games, you could have heard a pin drop in there. And when I talked to my friend from Alaska, he said, I don't know what kind of language she was speaking, but I knew one word. He said, I just knew one word. But he said that was the one word that resonated with him and mm-hmm. he could feel what what she was praying for. Mm-hmm. And then when we were at the cultural feast, when she prayed and asked for the ancestors, there was a young girl that had lost her brother and it was his two-year anniversary oh. of his passing. And she said, I was supposed to be there today because the ancestors were supposed to come and help me. No and she kidding. asked them to come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. goosebumps. Yeah. So I think for the intentions that we had for everyone to share, to our history, to know our people, to honor our people, to honor residential school survivors, to create awareness. I think um, we did a really good job to bring that across in a good way. I think we worked hard and that's all we could ask for and we respected. I want to talk a little bit about the pop-up exhibitions. It focused on the history of residential, the residential school system and missing, murdered, and exploited Indigenous peoples. Can you tell me more about how this came to be and about the red dress pin that was created for the games? So call 87, which is we call upon all levels of government in collaboration with Aboriginal people, Sports Hall of Fame, and other relevant organizations to provide public education that tells a national story of Aboriginal athletes' history. We thought we could do that at a regional level and create, we created an Indigenous sport gallery Mm -hmm. where we honored athletes. We actually had at 87 Days Out had a ceremony that honored athletes, both male and female from each uh, First Nation and each Métis community. We had local legends, which were someone from the community who has left legacy in sport. Um, One that I always go back to is from my home community, Keenan Cardinal, who was a young fellow that traveled to the spirit world long before his time, but was... um, an icon in sport at such mm-hmm. a young age. And then we had community builders and then a, com- a regional community builder. So it was so nice to take that call to action and bring it to a regional level. And we created a pin set to go with the different activations. Okay. So um, the first pin that we had was the truth and reconciliation pin, and that was the moccasins with the symbols of the seven sacred teachings in the background because Mm -hmm. those were our guiding principles for the games. Mm -hmm. Our moccasins are to show that we're walking in the path of reconciliation. The vamps on the moccasins have the highlighted calls. Oh, okay. So pins are 
huge in this game. <laughs> I know. Like way bigger than I ever thought. And I somehow turned into the pin police. <laughs> Because we only had so many pins made and like at the red dress activation. So uh, Pamu Creative created a display that was set up and then um, she planned out. We had cut up all of these squares out of cloth. We had one of our local um, ladies from the MMEIP task force come and do a talk with the crowds. And then we brought them in and then we had these squares of cloth cut out and we had them representing different groups and they could put a message or a picture, do a piece of art, and they're going to make a big skirt to hang from a ceiling as an art installation. And I think the last count I counted was 200 and 46 squares that were done. Wow. So when you listened to that piece of awareness that was being shared on this tragic epidemic that is happening, and then you came and took part in making your square Mm -hmm. to contribute to that skirt, you earned your red dress pin. Okay. So this red dress pin was designed, I designed it to look like a jingle dress. A jingle dress in powwow is a dance of healing. So that was where my train of thought was going. So when you see this red dress on someone, someone's going to ask you, what does that pin mean? You're going to be able to explain what M-M-I-E-P-E-I-P means, Mm -hmm. what is happening to our boys and girls, what's going on, what can we do to, to help this cause. So this pin was a conversation piece Mm -hmm. and just a beautiful way to keep the conversation going. And then we had the orange shirt activation. Pamu Creative again planned um, an exhibit. So we got the exhibit from the National Truth and Reconciliation Commission's uh, website. You could actually book it out and they shipped it to us. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they set it up and it had the timeline of residential school, shared information. So you would go through the exhibit and then you would have time to come into where we were. We had elders doing a sharing circle if you wanted to share because it is very heart-wrenching information Mm -hmm. to share, but a very important conversation to keep going. And it was called braiding, the activation was called braiding our two worlds together. And that's beautiful. The activity was she had different colors of yarn that meant different things like blue was for mother earth and green was for the grass, Mm -hmm. uh, sweet grass the medicines and then the orange was for the survivors and then you braided and as you were braiding you had time to reflect on the information that you took in yeah and then when you were done your braid you brought your braid to me and I gave you the orange pin and you earned your orange pin so how just to wrap up how do we keep the legacy of what you've done for the last 10 days during these games you know this education this um cultural awareness. How do we keep this momentum going past the games? I think we just keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. We keep, we can't just stop. We keep those conversations going. We keep working at different events that we can have to share. We answer questions when people ask us. Mm-hmm. We just participate in a good way. We honor our traditions. We honor our elders. We, you know, honor our knowledge keepers. We just take the time to do that listening. 
Yeah. Congratulations on an absolutely successful Arctic Winter Games. I know it's been a long time coming. Um, everything that I've seen when it came to the cultural aspect of the games, it just seems like we went above and beyond. And I, I, I honestly hope your team's proud of what you've oh, pulled off. Thank you. I, I think everybody is really proud of what you know we accomplished and we came together as a community. Thank you, Allison, for sharing your experiences with us. We hope you enjoyed our Spotlight series on the 2023 Arctic Winter Games. Congratulations to the organizers, participants, and volunteers. You really did shine. Join us next time on All That and More for more exciting stories from the Regional Municipality of Wood Buffalo. Hey!